You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as a family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. I heard this song recently, and I'm trying to decide if I'm going to try to sing it in front of you. It's pretty simple. I need like a starting key, though. That's my problem. No, no, don't do it. It's pretty simple, and um, if you can catch the lyrics here with me, I want you to sing it with me when I get through it once, okay? It's really simple, and then we'll get into our message. It goes like this. Oh, I want Jesus, and oh, I want him. And oh, only Jesus, take this world and give me him. Sing it with me. And oh, I want Jesus. And oh, I want him. And only Jesus, take this world and give me him. One more time. And oh, I want Jesus. And oh, I want him. Oh, only Jesus, take this world and give me him. You know, this world has its ups and downs, doesn't it? I'm a news junkie a little bit. I don't watch the news. I actually hate listening to people talk about the news, but I love to read it. And what I've read these last couple weeks has been hard. If you're paying attention at all to the world, Israel, the amount of questions I get again if this is the end. All I see is hardship and difficulty and pain. I don't think it's the end of the world. But I'm not saying that this isn't a serious moment in our world. And I think about all the things that our lives are made up of, right? All the stuff we do, all the things we're called to accomplish. If you know me at all, I'm a fairly driven person and always thinking about the next thing and always talking about what God still has for us and, and all the stuff that we're called to do while we're here on this earth, while God's created us as humans with purpose and, and just all the things that, you know, we kind of put our hands and our lives to. And that's the kind of stuff that kind of flows in my mind all the time. But I heard this song 
a couple weeks ago, and I was just challenged again and reminded that at the end of the day, I just want Jesus. I met with someone this week who was just sharing their life with me and some of the struggles they're going through, and, and I kind of started by just saying, I've got one thing to offer you, Jesus. I don't have great advice or 12 steps to feeling better or all those things. At the end of the day, what I have to offer is Jesus. And for me, if, if Jesus isn't the first thing I'm offering, I wonder if it's the first thing I'm focusing on. I wonder if he is really what I've made my life about or what we've made even our church about you know, I, my heart is that people would understand that Jesus changes everything. And I know there's, I'm simplifying the idea of being a Christian at this moment or, or really what our lives should be about. But if we don't come from the simplicity of the first and foremost important thing, which is we need Jesus. And even singing those words, it helps me actually to want him. I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't really go there first with my life or with my day or with my thoughts, but when I sing or when I say something like, I want you, Jesus, I'm actually reminded that, oh, that is the thing I want and need most. And I want to start with that today because I'm going to talk to you about a message that's almost maybe fairly simple in its idea, but if we aren't coming before God, before Jesus with the simplicity that above everything else we want him, then we're going to miss the things that God has for us. We're going to be striving in all of these ways in our life, but honestly feel like we're constantly grasping at sand that falls through our hands. And I think we can do it in Christianity too, right? Sometimes we take our focuses just off the world, right? We, we maybe have this secular mindset or this worldly mindset before we know Jesus. And so we're grasping at fulfillment and all these things in a worldly way. And then we come in maybe to Christianity, you get saved, right? And you, you hear Jesus and you repent and you accept his you know, grace gift from the cross and your life changes. But sometimes we can take the same maybe unhealthy focus we had on the world and then we just put it on God and then we grasp for the things of God when really what we're supposed to be doing is grasping for Jesus, just reaching for him. And everything else is added unto us, right? We see this, seek the kingdom above all else, seek righteousness above all else and he will add everything unto us. There's this idea of our focus and and what it means and how it actually applies to our life, that if we don't get it right from the base, then even in Christianity doing the good things of God, we can miss out on the fulfillment of things God has for us or what it's supposed to be like to follow Jesus. And so this message is kind of simple, but it's been one that God has had to slap me across the face with quite a few times in my life. And the message is just about rest. And I think when we think of rest, it's like, hey, it's a perfect, you know, daylight savings time message. You all got an extra hour. For me, my kids just got up an hour earlier. They woke us up at 4.30 a.m. instead of 5.30. And so it's like, you know, we just yell at them, go back to bed. And then they eat everything in the house while we close the door and we don't hear it. But there's this place of rest that 
it's more than this physical idea. And I'm going to talk about a, the physical idea of rest, but there's something more to this idea of rest and where it comes from. And born out of this grasping for Jesus that I think that we miss, especially as Americans, we, we miss it as humans because we end up striving in our lives for so much. And so I want to start just quickly in Genesis 2. This is just the baseline of understanding rest for our lives. So you've got Genesis 2, you've got God who's created the heavens and the earth. He's created mankind. And we get to Genesis 2, verse 2, and it says, On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation so he rested from all of his work, and God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. So you've got God who creates the heavens, the earth. He creates all the things we know and humanity, and, and then, it re then he rests. And I always say the simplicity is if God needs to rest, you need to rest. If God takes a break... <laughs> Then there's something built into us as humans made in the image of God that rest is something we're supposed to be living in. And this is something that's hit me recently about this scripture of rest right here. Is so God works for six days and he rests on the seventh. And it says he rested from his work. But man was created when? On the sixth day. And what was his very first day? Rest. And I felt like the Holy Spirit kind of pushed something in my spirit recently after having some conversations with some friends that often our mindset is, is like God there. We work really, really hard and then we're tired and so we're resting from our work rather than the way God set it up for humans, which is the very first day we should be resting into our work. That actually, before we accomplished anything in the world, as humans, God said, here's some rest for you. And when I read that, I was like, but why? Why would their first day be rest? And I think it's because it's got a lot more to do with not just the physical side of it. Because they probably didn't wake up tired from all their work because they didn't work yet. But yet God was trying to instill something, even in Adam and Eve in this moment, that rest had to be something super important that came at the forefront of their life. Because then the next day, the eighth day, what does God do? He puts Adam to work. He says, Adam, here's this garden I've created for you. Tend it, cultivate it, shape it. Here's this purpose. Now name these animals and, and fill the earth and multiply. And he creates Eve in that time. And they fill the earth. They begin to have children. There's this, this work that gets put on him, but it's not put on him first. The first thing that's put on him is a day of rest. And I don't know about you, but for me, I don't rest very well. So I wasn't here last week on Sunday because I took a vacation. And I will tell you what, I have never felt so guilty in my life. Like for real. I, I didn't even want to tell people that we were going on vacation. There, it, I, one, at one point, Jessica's like, oh, we're going to Mexico. We're going. I'm like, stop telling people that. She's like, why? I'm like, it's embarrassing. And I was like, why am I saying it's embarrassing. 
because something inside me, for one, doesn't maybe think I deserve rest. Two, thinks that, I, you know, like everyone else that's busy, why should we take time away when the world is going to heck and all of these things are happening and people need Jesus? Like, I have this kind of burden on my shoulders at times where I begin to believe that if I'm not in the picture, the world isn't going to keep spinning. And if there isn't something called arrogance, that's it. But we all fall into this, don't we? Not just as pastors or leaders in a church, but even as people within our family and in our workplace, right? I mean, I don't know. I, I've, when, other jobs that I've had, I mean, the people here are wonderful, right? Because I got to hire them all. But other jobs that I've had in the past, man, I was not, on the inside, I was not a great coworker, Because I was always judging people for their work habits. Like, Always. Like, just, I wanted to outwork everybody, and, and there's some ways that, like, that's a plus, because I'm a hard worker, and I have this good work ethic, but then there's this thing that starts to build in a person like that, that starts to believe the world only spins because I keep cranking the mechanism, but it's such a lie. It's not true. In fact, if I died today, the entire world would go on. People would be sad for a few days, maybe, I hope. Maybe some a little bit longer than others. But the truth is the world keeps moving because none of it hinges on us. It all hinges on Jesus. I'm reminded of this work thing because I, I love the scriptures in the New Testament that have learned to teach me that usually good, healthy growth is slow. We love instantaneous growth, right? We like things that are instantaneous in our life. We like to go through drive throughs We like things to be fast. But what we see is that God puts this burden on our life, right? He says, my burden is light. There is this burden that God puts on us, meaning he puts responsibility on our shoulders in this world. But then it's the simple things like, hey, plant those seeds. Water it. Now wait. That's the life of following Jesus. We can't cause growth of any kind. Only God can. And we wait, and we do some things. We water and we cultivate like the scripture teaches us. But there's this place where really the hinge point of fulfillment in our lives only happens from Jesus. And when we try to take it into our hands, we constantly strive for things, and we end up becoming these people who have no idea what rest really is. A number of years ago, probably about four it was only like three years into me leading the church as the lead pastor. I mean, I was so tired. I was so exhausted. I have a lot of kids, so that was part of it. There's a personal side of it. But I was so tired from ministry that I could have easily quit many times. Just because I thought no one could ever get paid enough to do this job. No one. But it was a bad mindset, actually. It was a mindset of me uh, in me where I thought that if I worked more, there would be more success. But I started to realize, and I'm remembering scriptures like I just read to you, that the truth is God tries to give us this rhythm of rest in our life. And if we actually can live in a rhythm of rest, we're actually more productive than if we worked nonstop. I, I always, we talk about giving and tithing here sometimes. And there's this, Tension when we talk about tithing, this 10%, like, oh, I'm actually going to give 10%. Now, I don't believe it's a requirement 
of the New Testament, I do believe that it is a principle in our lives because it's, there's this painful amount of money, right? 10% is a painful amount of money to be reminded of each week as you give it to God. But the reason that we actually believe in practicing that is because it's a constant reminder that God can do more with the 90% than we could ever do with the 100 it's a constant reminder of where I'm actually placing my trust. And this is one of the problems that we struggle with, especially, I think, in Western society when it comes to rest. We don't know how to rest well because we think everything is really going to land on our shoulders. Exodus 20, we know the scripture where God is giving the Ten Commandments and he when he decides to boil down like, hey, if you could just live by ten things, you would probably do well as humans. And one of them is literally this. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. That God said, listen, out of all the things I need to make rules about, one of them has got to be about rest. And then we see in Mark 2.27, it's in your notes, it says this. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people not to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. This is Jesus' words. And sometimes we think, oh, these are just religious things God wants us to do, but, the, but what God is actually trying to do is build into us something that would actually turn us into the humans and the people that he's always designed us to be. You see, the world is always wanting us to be something other than our design. That's what sin is. Sin is missing the mark of the design of God for your life. Anything you do outside of that perfect bullseye of God's design is sin. Sometimes we just think it's the list of rules that God doesn't want us to do. No, it's living outside our design. It actually makes things a lot more sinful than we thought they were. Like when I don't take care of my body or when I don't get enough rest and I'm living outside the design of God, well, then almost I've actually begun to sin. I've begun to stray from God's design. And we don't have to look at sin as this, like, immediate condemnation over us. It's not that either. It's literally an alert in our life to say, hey, you're missing something. And for me, with this rest one, I, I have come through different cycles in my life where I realize I am missing rest. And when I miss rest and I cannot be who God's called me to be, I can't live up to the fulfillment that God's called me to live up to. And in your lives, I'm telling you, there's a place where God wants you to be fulfilled in a way that can only happen when we actually understand the rest that Jesus has for us. Why do we need to start with rest? Why did God give us rest as our first day? Because the rest we need most is based in our trust and faith in God. You see, rest actually has to do more with trust than it has to do with sleeping and taking a break. The, the reason I struggled on this vacation is because it was hard for me to trust that everything was going to go well with me not being here. Probably more about my kids than actually the church. You know how complicated our kid life is? It's complicated. Kids go to four different schools. I mean... In the morning, it's insane for Jess and I just to get our kids to school, to get them ready, 
Mara isn't the most happiest person in the morning, and then we, ask to, we have to ask someone to help her get ready, and it's always like, it literally gives me anxiety because I know what she's like, and now we got to put someone else in this situation. And so when we leave our situation and our routine, I actually have this struggle thinking that everything's going to go okay without us. And sometimes there's some truth in it. But the reason that I struggle to rest is not because I'm not tired, or because I don't need rest, it's because my trust isn't in the right things. It's because my trust and faith has drifted from being placed in Jesus to being placed usually in myself. And so when God starts this whole first day of rest for us as our existence, it's because he understands that above everything else, you need to place your trust in me first. And if we can learn to place our trust in him, I think we can experience rest in a very new way. Have any of us ever gone on vacation or tried to take a break or take a rest, and then by the end of it, you're like, I need a vacation from my vacation? Anybody ever done that? It's because we we really don't know how to rest. It's not just stopping the routine of your life to do something else. It's, some, it's a mental state that God wants to put in us. It's a spiritual actual action that God wants to put inside us so that we can understand what real fulfillment looks like. It took me about three days on our vacation. I Actually, the, the night we were leaving, I was literally standing in my room like this for like an awkwardly long period of time to where Jessica goes, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm trying to decide if I'm bringing my computer or not. Literally, it took me minutes because I'm like, if I bring it, I could get some things done. But I was being challenged. I'm like, but if I don't bring it, then I won't be able to get things done. But I know I'll just be frustrated that I don't bring it. (laughs) And I actually left it. I did leave it. And I didn't respond to a lot of your texts during the week. (laughs) I left it because I was trying to say, okay, I am not going to just be a person who produces all the time. Because we're built for rest. I want to read... Mark 4, 35 through 40. This is one of my favorite little stories. You've got Jesus, and he's in the midst of his ministry years. And honestly, he's been performing all these miracles, teaching all of these parables, all these things are taking place. And in verse 35 of chapter 4, it says, As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they're moving on. So it says, so they took Jesus in the boat and they started out, leaving the crowds behind. So listen, I've been in a lot of crowds many, many times. And, you know, honestly, one of my most tired moments is Sunday at the end of church in Ogdensburg. I'm like just about brain dead. Because crowds can be tiring. I don't know if they're tiring for you too. But they can just be tiring. There's a lot of emotional energy that goes out and all this energy that you expend. I can't imagine the amount of energy that Jesus expends in these crowds and these miracles and this just constant influx of people. It says, let's cross this. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind. It says, but soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. But Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat, with his head on a cushion. I love this. I wish this was me. In the midst of a crazy storm, 
And I, I've been in a, I've been on the Sea of Galilee in a replica boat of those fishing boats of the day. They're not very big. Um, you know, they're decent size, but they're not like huge ships or something. And this is saying waves are crashing into the boat, and he's sleeping with his head on a cushion. Now, he was probably really physically tired. But there's something about his ability to rest in the midst of this storm that blows my mind. And I think about us right now in the midst of the world we live in. That we should not be frantic people in the midst of these moments. We shouldn't be people that are grasping at straws or, or con confusing things or all the stuff that's happening. We should be people who are actually able to rest even in the midst of a tumultuous world. In the midst of this crazy time that we live in. In the midst of a storm where the waves are breaking into the boat, Jesus can still take a nap. <laughs> And it says the disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the water, Silence, be still. That's what I feel like with my kids in the morning. They just don't listen as good as the waves do. So suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? You see, this is what Jesus understood. The reason that he could sleep in the midst of the storm is because he understood his father. His trust was in his father. His faith was in his father. He knew what his mission was. He knew it hadn't come to an end. And therefore, no matter what happened around him, in the moments that he could take rest, he could sleep. And I think that as the people of God, that we should be able to have rest like this in our lives. And no matter what, is kind of blowing around us that we could sleep in the midst of this storm. Jesus' trust was in God. He's trying to show us the same thing. Hebrews 3.7, I want to probably finish quite a bit in Hebrews 3. So if you have your Bibles, turn there because I'm going to read a whole bunch of Scripture. In Hebrews 3, verse 7, you've got the Hebrew writer here, and he's Obviously writing to the Hebrews, and we get to verse 7, and it says this. That is why the Holy Spirit says, Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts, as Israel did when they rebelled. When they tested me in the wilderness, there your ancestors tested and tried my patience. This is God speaking this, and they're, they're recording it. It's from the Old Testament. There your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. So I was angry with them. And I said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. This is God speaking about the Israelites wandering in the desert. And so in my anger, I took an oath. This is God. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. This is interesting. Now, God's speaking about the promised land. He's speaking about fulfillment here. He's speaking about literally the word that's been spoken over the people of Israel, the reason they were rescued from Egypt, so that God could set apart a nation unto himself, so that the world could look and say, oh, that's what God is supposed to look like. He was, they were supposed to be set apart, but yet they do all these things where they rebel against him and they kind of refuse to listen to him. You hear it in the scriptures there. And then it says God makes an oath that they will never enter. And he doesn't say the promised land. He says 
my place of rest. My place of rest. Verse 12, this is the Hebrew writer going on. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other day, every day, while it is still today, so that none of you will be, de- be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Remember what it says, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. And who was it who rebelled against God even though they heard his voice? Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt and who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpses lay in the wilderness? And to whom was God speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see... That because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. I'm challenged by this. There's a lot in there, but I want to just simplify it to this thought. That when we don't live a life following the ways that Jesus has called us to follow, when we don't live a life placing our trust in Jesus, and I'm talking about every day, that's what the writer says, you've got to remind each other every day. Don't we need reminders? That if I don't wake up every day placing my trust in him, that rest will always be a fleeting thing. And in fact, let's not be like the people of Israel where we never find the place of rest. I don't want to be someone who strives and strives and strives, but misses one of the most fulfilling things that God has for us, which is to live in a place of rest, which means that my trust and my faith truly resides in Jesus, in the Father. Goes on, chapter 4, God's promise of entering his rest still stands. This is one of God's promises over your life. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news that God has prepared, this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them, but it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God said, in my anger I took an oath that they will never enter my place of rest, even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. We know it is ready because of the place in the scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. They will enter my place of rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering his rest. And that time is today. I'm going to stop there. There's some more, but I want to stop there. That time is today. I believe God wants us to be a people of rest. Yes, there is a burden and a purpose and work to be done, but that burden is supposed to be light. It's not supposed to be heavy. It's not supposed to be this weighty thing where we think that it will only happen if we do. 
But if we can place our trust and faith in God and experience the rest that he has for us. I mean, this rest thing is, is synonymous. He's talking about the promised land. He's even talking about the kingdom of heaven in this moment. If you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, it has to be in this restful mindset, this place where we've actually trusted God and we now can enter his place of rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Jesus, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I think that one of the reasons we struggle to find rest in our life is this. We yoke ourselves with the wrong things. And we burden ourselves with more than we're supposed to. You see, it says, my yoke is easy. And if you don't know what a yoke is, the idea of it was that these animals would be yoked together. They put their head in the, those kinds of stock-looking things. And there would be two animals that would go ahead and you would be yoked one with another. Well, the idea is this, that we're supposed to be yoked with Jesus. But often we don't put on his yoke, we're putting on our own yokes. And we yoke ourselves with something else. Maybe it's reputation, maybe it's addiction, maybe it's money and finance and success. Maybe we're yoked with our career in an unhealthy way. Maybe we've yoked ourselves with something in this life and then we constantly wonder why we're so tired. It's because we're working at something God hasn't designed us for. That doesn't mean we're not supposed to have careers. We're not supposed to have work that we do. But we have to be yoked with God's plan in our life. If we're not, I think we'll always be tired. I think we'll always be in a state of weariness in our souls, in our hearts, and in our lives. And then it says, and you will find rest for your souls. I believe God wants us to find rest this morning. Why don't we stand you know, today we're going to end with communion. And I think this is just an appropriate way to kind of challenge our hearts today. First, to go back to just saying, can we focus in on Jesus more than anything else? Can we focus in on placing our trust in him? Maybe you're in this room today or you're watching online and you have never placed your trust or faith in Jesus. It can change in a moment. There's no special time or place where that has to happen. In your place right now, in your seat, at your house, you can begin to pray and say, God, I need you. Jesus, I want the grace that you've given me on this cross. God, I want to turn from my ways and go your ways. And in that moment, Jesus will come into your life and you've received his grace. He'll begin that work of transformation in your life. But God wants us to live in a place of rest. For those of us in here that have maybe been following Jesus for a long time, I think we can easily get off track. Where we strive for maybe even all of the, the right things of this world. We strive for the things that God has maybe called us to, but we're doing it in a way that isn't yoked with Him. And so the yoke is heavy. The burden is heavy. And I think Jesus wants to lift it off of your shoulders today. He wants to begin to instill new rest in your hearts. So I'm going to pray. And then uh, maybe the folks that are up here for communion can come up. 
to disperse. I'm going to pray, and then you can start coming forward. God, we just thank you, God, that you want to give us rest today, that you want to help us place our trust in you today, God, that you want us to, to start in, your, in our lives with you in a place of rest, not in a place of work, in a place of striving, in a place of burdens, but God, in a place of rest. Father, I pray for anyone in this room that maybe is weary in their hearts and souls, God, that they would be able to lay that out before you today and they would be given rest. They would find it in you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.